You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Welcome to World Cups in a Nutshell on SEN. Have your say. Call 1300 01 1170 or text 0457 736 736. Yes, good morning everybody. And welcome to World Cups in a Nutshell. Tradies News in a Nutshell, the World Cup special for Wednesday, the 9th of November across the SEN network on SEN 1170 AM in Sydney, SEN Q693 AM throughout Queensland at 1620 AM on the Gold Coast. Alex Molchanoff, delighted to be stepping into the chair for Dan Pettigrew while he jaunts off around the United Kingdom over the next six weeks. And what a packed six-week period it's going to be. And by the time Dan returns, whisper it, it'll be Christmas. A scary thought. For me, certainly, where on earth has 2022 gone? The department stores will be reminding us all about it before we know it. Weather today in Sydney, clear, a top of 21 degrees with some light wind around, pleasant. 24 degrees out west in Brisbane, partly cloudy and 25 degrees. And on the Gold Coast, 24 degrees is the top with a little bit of that light wind around north of the border as well. Matthew Cox will join us from the Tradie Show in the southern states, and I'll be taking all your calls as well. one 1170 and 0457-736-736. Very excited to get to know you all as I eventually, hopefully, reveal little parts of myself to you throughout the morning and over the next few weeks as we go through all these World Cups. We'll start with today's top stories, though, and Rugby League's worst-kept secret has been confirmed. Anthony Seabold has been named the Manly Seagulls head coach for 2023, a decision which has been met with dissatisfaction from Manly fans on social media already as after it was announced overnight. And I'd be very surprised if that sentiment doesn't continue on talkback stations, including this one throughout the day today. Matt White will be running an exclusive interview with Seeves to open his show this morning from 9am. And I'm just going to hit... A little snippet of that now, with Steve's talking about why he was keen on the role, despite the club being in such a tumultuous period after the departure of Des Hasler. So there's the history of the club, Seebs, but there's also the state of the club at the moment. And a lot of people will say, why go to a club in crisis? How much did you look at what was going on at Manly and how much does that play in your decision? And are you worried about it? Yeah, well, firstly, Matty, I don't feel as though the club's in crisis. I think um, Scott Pan, um, you know, the board, Tony Mestroff, you know, been really strong in, in, you know, in recent months with regards to you know, where they feel the, they want to take the club thinking that the club's in crisis. Um, yeah, that's been reported in the media and so on. But one thing I've learned, Matty, I suppose, is that uh, things are never as good as they are, uh, appear and, and things are never as bad as they appear. And, you know, talking to a number of the players over the last um, week or two, certainly the senior players, um, you know, give me a lot of hope and a lot of, uh, like I said before, optimism for 2023. 
but I don't feel as other clubs um, in crisis in any way, shape or form. It's had some challenges, but not insurmountable. But, Steve, how, how can you feel safe as a coach if they've sacked a club legend? The way that Des Hasler's departure played out was ugly on all fronts, and a lot of Manly fans are still unhappy about it. So how do you feel safe in your position at the club? Well, Matty, one thing I've learned, mate, it's not about feeling safe. It's about... Um, you know, taking the opportunity, taking the challenge on. Um, and one thing is we'll be you know, really well prepared and, and we have uh, put a lot of planning in place for this pre-season. You know, this is my turn in, in the, the chair as a head coach. You know, I'm going to do my best to you know, work with the group and provide the Seagulls you know, corporate partners, their members, their supporters, people who are the lifeblood of the Seagulls, um, you know, some, some hope and optimism that we can challenge and be very competitive in, in 2023. That full chat with Siebes from 9 o'clock this morning on Matt White's morning program and plenty of discussion to follow me today on Vossie and Brandy's breakfast show from 6am. Uh, Queensland listeners, you'll be getting them from 5 till 6 your time before Patton Hills kick off at 6 o'clock your time. I'm going to be honest here. We're getting to know each other, you and I. So I'll let you in on my first dirty little secret. I'm a Manly Ringa Seagulls fan. Grew up around the club, love going to Brookvale, and was very disenchanted with the way that Des Hasler has been squeezed out of that football club. He's a legend. He is a premiership-winning coach. He was a fantastic statesman for our club. Um, So am I ecstatic with his appointment, the way it's come about? No. The way Des Hasler's exit was handled, absolutely not. Manly's uncanny ability to shoot themselves in the foot from a strong position as they were in this season, no way. But the winds of change are starting to blow through Brookvale with new CEO Tony Mestrov. And yes, perhaps I'm a little biased because having worked with Siebes over the last rugby league season right here at SEN, I've found him extremely likable. So I'm willing him to succeed. And not only am I willing him to succeed, I think he can. I think he is better prepared than he was going into that Broncos job and the, what can we call it? The Viper's Nest, that it can be up there in Brisbane amongst the old boys and the media, I think he's more ready for this job this time. And there is not a harder worker, not a guy who's been away, recognised his mistakes and is ready to correct them this time around. I'm endlessly hopeful of Manly's new dawn. And I think Anthony Seabold could be a really, really good option going forward. I, I don't think my views are going to be reflected across the station today. I think there's a lot of hesitation towards Seabold because of what went on up in Brisbane. But personally, I'm very, very excited to see what he can do at the Manly Oringa Sea Eagles. Continuing through today's stories, the Sydney Morning Herald's Michael Chamis reporting this morning that round one of the 2023 NRL season will look like this, beginning early. How good is that? Early rugby league in 2023. Thursday, the 2nd of March is the first game that kicks off at Combank Stadium between the Parramatta Eels and the Melbourne Storm. Thursday night from 8pm, the Warriors taking on Newcastle from Friday on Friday at 6pm. And then the Panthers and the Broncos. Isn't that a tasty first Friday night clash out at Panthers Stadium as well? That's going to be absolutely rocking. And then the Battle of the New Coaches to kick off on Saturday in Round 1 2023. Manly Oringa taking on the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs. Seabold versus Seraldo in their first games in charge. The Cowboys taking on the Raiders at 5.30 on Saturday. The Sharks taking on Souths as the first Saturday night clash from 7.30. And then on Sunday, the Dolphins make their entrance 
into the competition in round one against the Roosters. That's going to be an interesting test up in Brisbane before finally the Tigers and the Titans see out round one at 6pm. The Dragons, well, they get the bye and two guaranteed points. A few good storylines here. The Eels with a tough, tough task to open their campaign as they attempt to give themselves another crack to Another crack at that long-awaited premiership. The defending premiers opening the season at home on that Friday night and the matchup of the two coaches. And finally, the Socceroos squad for the World Cup yesterday was named. I'll have my say on that in just a moment. But we are in World Cups in a nutshell, so let's do this. Time to get the latest from the T20 World Cup. And the fallout is continuing from Australia's group stage exit from this T20 World Cup. Questions surrounding Aaron Finch's future. Matthew Wade has already sailed off into the sunset. Glenn Maxwell's comments after the defeat on the weekend. Well, let's say they haven't gone down too well with too many. But there's news out of the Indian camp ahead of Thursday night's semi-final against England. Crickbuzz journalist and friend of SEN, Barat Sundarayson reporting yesterday that was a bit of an injury scare for Captain Rohit Sharma, who was struck on the hand during a net session. Thankfully, he returned a while later, but not exactly the wobble you want going into a clash with the world's best white ball team. And they are that England, as much as it hurts to say. Uh, it's not the sort of thing you want shaping up, shaking up camp ahead of that clash in just a day's time up at the Gabba. Tonight, the focus will be on the SCG. The famous old ground hosting its first ever T20 World Cup semi-final. New Zealand and Pakistan, the assailants. The Black Caps returning to the site of their rout of the Aussies to open the tournament. Isn't it funny? We, the Aussies, that is, finished on the same amount of points in the end. But it's the Kiwis who are almost considered favourites to win the whole thing from here. We lost the same number of games as three of the four semi-finalists. India even managed to lose a game over in their group. And the other team in the semi-final, that fourth team, Pakistan, lost twice. If Lady Luck had smiled upon Aaron Finch's men as it did a year ago in the UAE, the rhetoric around this disappointing tournament could be very, very different. So both semi-finals coming your way in the T20 World Cup. Tonight on SEN, semi-final one, New Zealand versus Pakistan at the SCG. First ball due to be bowled at 7pm. And then tomorrow from the Gabba, semi-final two, India and England from 7pm. Jared Waitley leading the call team through both those two matches and the final on Sunday night across the stations of SEN. And just quietly, I'd love it to be a repeat of those scenes we saw between the two old rivals, India and Pakistan, a couple of weeks ago at the MCG. A final would be that, but ten times as important. We're looking forward to catching up with Matt Cox from down, well down south of the border, down from Mexico, or Melbourne, in the bunker down there. He'll be with us after the break to chat some more cricket, and we'll get into some stuff from the Rugby League World Cup ahead of those two big semifinals on the weekend. Back after this. World Cup's in a nutshell on your Wednesday morning, 9th of November. Alex Morchanoff with you. We're just about to duck down south of the border and chat to Matthew Cox, and we will be with him in just a moment talking cricket, hoping the rain stays away from the World Cup fixtures over the weekend. It's going to be a very, very exciting time. We'll cross down to Matty now and see what's going on down in Melbourne. Oh, he's got some good music. Yeah, good morning there. to you, Alex. How are you, Matty? Good to oh, be chatting with you on this Wednesday morning. Likewise, likewise. How's your first morning filling in the uh, not-so-big shoes of Dan Pettigrew? Oh, I think he's <laughs> He's a, he's, a, he's a little fella, Dan, but he's got some white about him. No, it's uh, been good fun blowing out the cobwebs this morning. Uh, 
Getting the vo- vocal cords working at uh, 5 a.m. is a bit of a different challenge, but I'm enjoying it so far, uh, mate. Pati- particularly for you, given that you were involved with the Global Game Show last night here yes. on uh, SEN, so you've had to back up on a very quick turnaround. Well, not as much of a speaking part for me in that show, Matt, so at least they're well-rested, well, at least uh, in theory, and it was it was good to get our teeth into all the Socceroos chat last night at the back of Graham Arnold's squad announcements and the controversy and sort of the, some of the big inclusions as well, which were very excited to see the likes of Garen Quoll and Jason Cummings get the call up, which I have to say I was a little surprised to see, pleasantly surprised. So uh, yeah, it was great to get our teeth into that with Simon Hill and Broski last night as well. And then some shock omissions too from the 26-man mm. squad that will be representing us in the World Cup, which is in the not too distant future. Were you as surprised by those as you were with the newcomers? Absolutely. And I think they've continued what has been a a theme of Graham Arnold's reign over the last 12 months, and which was sadly absent uh, beforehand. Leaving out Trent Sabesbury and Tom Rogic is uh, two really big decisions. Rogic was Australia's talisman sort of 18 months ago, two years ago. He decided that he wasn't going to play in those two fixtures uh, in Qatar that were to qualify for the World Cup. He left the team in a little bit of a lurch there. Um, but his form since then hasn't hasn't really put him up for consideration as a recall to the site. He's barely played since signing with West Bromwich Albion. Didn't have a pre-season because he hadn't signed with anyone after leaving Ange Postacoglu and Celtic in the off-season. So that's an interesting one. And then Trent Sainsbury, a, a former captain of the Socceroos, a real leader within that squad, and also Graham Arnold's son-in-law, which is going to make Christmas time very, very interesting. He's, Arnie says he's, he's spoken at a trend and understands the situation, but he must be bitterly disappointed. He's been a, a critical part of that team. But I think they're two brave decisions. I think they're the right ones. The two players that have not been in form and, and really haven't deserved selection other than Arnie being loyal to them. And he's shown that the results are more important at this stage. So given you're closer to the round ball than what I am, Alex, what then does this mean if you're viewing it from the Graham Arnold Mm -hmm. perspective, given the pressure that he was under in the lead-up to the qualifiers and and the speculation about his future, particularly prior to that final Mm. game, what does it mean making these decisions now, heading into a World Cup campaign that a lot of people didn't expect us to be in? Well, I think that actually gives him a little bit of freedom, Matty. I, I don't think he expects to be there after the World Cup. I think he expects that he'll be moved on whether he likes it or not. So I think he's sort of accepted that. And this squad selection has shown a little bit of freedom. If he was going to take the safe safe option, he would have picked Rogic. He would have picked Sainsbury. And he would have picked Mitch Langerak, which was an interesting uh, decision, to say the least. That's probably the omission I don't agree with. Um, but I think he's shown some willingness to take some risks. Taking Jason Cummings is a risk. He's a 26-year-old who's had one cap for the Socceroos. So to bring him into that last squad was a little bit of a risk. To take him to a World Cup is is certainly that. But I'm, I'm glad he's taking it. It's going to produce another character for Australian football fans and casual observers to get around. Um, if you haven't seen the cum dog, the cum dingo, as he's being called now, he's a fantastic, fascinating character. Um, and even for off-field uh, sort of draw, he's going to be a real, real positive thing for the Socceroos. He's fantastic around the dressing room by all reports, and he's there with his teammate, Garan Quoll, who is going to be able to guide, I, th- I think, a little bit through 
all the the extra pressures that are going to be put on him as the World Cup approaches with the, the, the signing to Newcastle and all that sort of thing coming over the top of his head. But Garang's taken all that in his stride as well. I think this is a, a pretty well-balanced squad that Ernie's put together and he's thought through a lot of different scenarios that might pop up throughout the tournament. And it's a pretty tough task to get oh, yeah. us underway against uh, France on the 22nd of uh, November, or it will be the 23rd yeah. of November Australian uh, time. But it'll, it'll be a baptism of fire for a few. Absolutely. Um but I think the positive signs there, their camp are a little bit dysfunctional at the moment. Paul Pogba's been ruled out this week, and Gola Kante, who I would argue is actually more important to key members of that side that won the World Cup in four years ago and, and beat us in the opening game four years ago. If you remember that, Josh Risden giving away the penalty, Paul Pogba slotting at home. Uh, but, gee, they've got some quality in that side. Uh, there's some talk that Karen Benzema might miss that first game. Uh, due to injury, uh, he's the Ballon d'Or winner, the best player in the world at the moment. And to replace him, they'd have Olivier Giroud, who's well-known in European football. He's been around for more than a decade and was part of that World Cup winning squad as well. They just have depth that we can't dream of. Um, and if we get a result, any sort of result, um, against France in that opening game, that has to be considered a, a raging success, a raging success. Our first four minutes with you have provided us with more insight than what Dan usually gives us. So you're going well, Alex. Good morning to Dan if he's listening. Um, now, the Rugby League World Cup, we're not down in uh, yes. Victoria and South Australia and over in Western Australia. It's probably not as front of mind, but mm. what's the reaction been to it in the Harbour City? Well, I think it's been interesting because of the time zone, it's always difficult. People are having to catch up, and KO gives you the, the opportunity to do that now. Of course, you can wake up and you've got the, the minis and all the highlights there. I think the, the score lines in the group stages have caused some concern, uh, but they were, they were expected at Rugby League World Cups. This is a game that's trying to grow its global footprint. I think there's an argument there that they could do something similar to the T20 World Cup, as they did here, where you had those two opening groups to sort of um, narrow down the field a bit and have have more jeopardy on each game. Did, uh, I don't know if you agree with that, Coxie. I really like the way that the T20 World Cup has done that. I feel like there's jeopardy on every game that we're seeing and feeling and hearing on SEN. It's it, it's really exciting, even down to that. I was panelling that last game um, between, uh, remind me who it was there, the Aussies uh, needed England to, to fall short against Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka and yeah. the Sri Lankans pushed them down to the final over. It was fantastic you know, gripping, viewing and listening. Um, I think the Rugby League World Cup might look at doing something like that in the future just to, because this is the first game of real jeopardy that, that Australia has had coming up this weekend against the Kiwis in the semi-final. I mean, yeah, that's too late in the tournament really to keep people engaged, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, well, and it feeds into the conversation that's been bubbling away about the T20 tournament and people being engaged with Australia. But one of the great things about the T20 tournament has been the other nations, like the fact that we got 82,000 yeah. here at the MCG on Sunday night for India and Zimbabwe. They're just phenomenal to think that's the sort of crowd that we could get for, for a new, what is essentially a neutral game yeah. on our on our turf. And what we saw a couple of weeks ago with the India-Pakistan and whether or not that can be generated into to a test match in, in the future, who, who knows where that conversation might lead to. But And the, the other storylines, as you alluded to, the, 
the smaller nations that aren't known for their cricket, you know, the, the Netherlands over the course of the last week, some of the, the, the story that's been generated there, and then you've got Ireland, who has had a very... Oh, well, very successful tournament by by their terms when you knock over the old enemy in uh, England. It's it's fascinating and it has kept you engaged from that perspective. But from an Australian perspective, the, the sentiment and reaction to how the events unfolded of this tournament and specifically over the course of the weekend, it hasn't been received too well mm. down here. And, and the harshness in, in terms of there's this sense of entitlement around the Australian side, mm. is that the, the reaction that's been the case in your part of the world too? S- certainly. Uh, I think Pat Cummins has come in for a lot of cris- criticism, particularly on our call and text lines. People are not happy with the, the stance he's taken on the Alinter Energy. They think it's affected the performance that he put forward in the World Cup. And I'm actually interested from the Victorian perspective because Glenn Maxwell gets smashed whatever he says up here. Um, is is the sentiment sort of similar down there after his comments about, well, we'll sort of just bounce back. It, you know, people have been very hard on Maxi up here for, for those comments that, that the quick turnaround means, oh, perhaps we'll reflect on it later, but it, it doesn't actually matter now. I don't think people took that very well. Certainly up here, I'd be interested to hear if that's the same down in Victoria. Yeah, no, I, I think it has been. And I think the, uh, the other element, though, is that it kind of sums up our our approach to the yeah. tournament that we were as a, as a watching audience, we were probably of a, a very similar engagement level to what the actual team was. Mm. And I think the fact that he's placed it on the agenda enables the conversation to be had around it. He's, he's almost fallen on, on his sword, yeah. if, if you like, by making those comments and, and being a poster boy for, for the attitude that's surrounding the Australian team at the moment, it'll be interesting. There was a report down here on Channel 7 last night that's indicating that Maxie's heading or training to be a part of the Sheffield Shield Victorian squad and mm. hoping maybe to be a part of uh, some Red Bull action internationally over the summer heading towards the Indian series next year. So it'll be curious to see what unfolds with mm. uh, his path because that is a conversation that seems to rear its head every summer about whether or not he's capable of of playing in the longer format. Well, we had uh, some hosts up here uh, yesterday when that test squad came through that were unhappy that Marcus Harris had been named. So every time there's a Victorian in the in the Australian side at the moment, they seem to be coming in for criticism up here in New South Wales. I don't know why that is. Yeah, <laughs> well, almost... yeah, well, something about a legacy issue or something. And it's nice that you've thrown a little barb to finish us off with Absolutely. Uh, this morning. Absolutely. Mate, I've ve- enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, I hope the rest of the show goes well. And I hope you can get some more Victorians in this Australian cricket team over the summer to just boost us up. I'm looking forward to Scotty Boland, I should say. I was glad to see him named in that side as well. I'm very excited to watch him bowling against the West Indies in South Africa over the next few months. If he can do what he did on Boxing Day last oh. year, that'd be absolutely fantastic. But yes, good to see another Victorian, a part of this New South Wales, sorry, Australian <laughs> side uh, that will be taking on the West Indies and England a little later on in the summer. Uh, we might speak to you again next week, Alex. That if sounds you, like uh, a plan, if you, Coxie. If you, if you hold out the week. Oh, I'm planning to. I'll let you know. How does that sound? <laughs> Go and have another cup of coffee. Fantastic. Talk to you <laughs> Have soon, a good mate. one. There he is, Matthew Cox from down in Melbourne. Fantastic to have his insight on some of the issues. We get lost up here in New South Wales, don't we? I love criticising Maxwell as much as anyone. I thought some of the diatribe 
directed towards him after those comments was a little bit over the top. Uh, he's a cricketer who's obviously disappointed with the results that have come through and obviously just trying to deflect and move on to the next thing. But uh, there's plenty to criticise Maxi for without talking about off-the-field stuff. We'll come back and recap the top stories of the morning after the break. We'll talk a little bit more of the Rugby League World Cup. and neglected that a little bit this morning, so we'll get into a little bit of that. And we want your texts and calls. Any of those you got for us, one three hundred. 011170 or send us a text 0457 736 736. Alex Molchanoff filling in on Tradies News in a nutshell, the World Cup edition for Dan Pettigrew on this Wednesday morning. Welcome back to World Cups in a nutshell, Tradies News in a nutshell, the World Cup edition on Wednesday, the 9th of November. Alex Molchanoff in the chair across the SEN network on 1170 AM in Sydney, 693. AM in Queensland and 1620 on the Gold Coast. It's just gone past 5.30, 5.32 to be exact up here in, uh, down here in Sydney rather, up in Queensland, just gone past 4.32. And very delighted to be in with you for Dan Pettigrew, who's off jaunting around the UK for six weeks or so. By the time he gets back, it'll be close to Christmas time. Very, very exciting uh, when we get to that stage. We've got plenty of sport to get through before then, and we're just going to touch on today's top stories again and the lead is that rugby league's worst kept secret has been confirmed anthony seabold has been named as the manly seagulls head coach for 2023 a decision which has been met with a little bit of dissatisfaction from manly fans on social media we're interested to see if that continues on talkback radio this morning certainly with me and then with fossey and brandy from six o'clock matt white has an exclusive interview with Steve's from 9 o'clock on the morning show. I'm just going to play another snippet of that. Uh, and this is on talking to both the Trebojevich brothers and Daly Cherry Evans after there was a little bit of... There were reports swirling around in the media when Steve's name was first bandied about as a potential replacement, that those three players weren't happy. The, Turbo, the Trebojevich brothers... Uh, we're perhaps looking at moving on. Let's hear what Steve's had to say on all that to Matty, and uh, you'll be able to hear this interview in its full capacity from 9 o'clock with Matty White. Have you spoken to Tom and Jake Trebojevic? Yeah, I've spoken to Tom a number of times. Um, he's obviously in Australia. He's not at the World Cup. Um, you know, Jakey, I've only spoke to um, you know, very briefly on text. Um, I've you know, sort of let Jake do his thing in the Aussie camp. But, you know, I've had a number of calls um, with, with Tom. Um, spoke to Cherry on the phone as well. Um, Chez, um, those three guys I've worked with in the past, a, a good um, you know, relationship and rapport with those guys. And as senior players, you know, certainly you consult them on um, some areas to improve in the program and grow in the program and so on. But um, I've spoken to most of the blokes, Matty. But those three key players, Seebs, Tom, Jake, DCE, very, very close to Des. So how did you broach that subject? Oh, look, Matty, that's not something that I'd necessarily would speak to a player about. Well, there you go. Seebs, defensive there. And to be honest, as a Manly fan, that's my first dirty secret I've been letting everyone in on this morning. I am a Manly Ringer Seagulls fan, grew up around Brookvale, love going down there. One of my great, one of my formative memories, our 40 to nil winner in that grand final over the Melbourne Storm. But uh, yeah, unhappy with the way Des has been moved on. Happy that Anthony Seabold is the man to replace him. I think he's the right option for the job. I think I'm in the minority there, certainly. I'm very interested in your thoughts on Seabs to the Seagulls this morning. one 300 one 0457 736 736. 
And remember, Matt White will have that full interview with Siebes from 9 o'clock this morning on the morning show. Plenty of chat to get through about him before that on Vossi and Breakfast with Brossie and Brandy from 6am. Quickly, the NRL draw has been released, well, has been leaked to the Sydney Morning Herald's Michael Chamis, who reports it will look like this. The Parramatta Eels kicking off the season against the Melbourne Storm on Thursday night. The Panthers and the Broncos, the first big Friday night game out at Panthers Stadium. Manly and the Bulldogs clashing on the first Saturday at 3 o'clock. Seabold versus Seraldo, the battle of the new coaches, the Sharks, taking on Souths on Saturday night from 7.30. The Dolphins kicking off their NRL life against the Roosters on the first Sunday from 4pm, and then the Tigers and the Titans closing things out at 6 o'clock. That game just screams 6pm Sunday, doesn't it? And the Dragons getting the bye and a guaranteed two points, and I think that might be a two points they're very glad for after the first month of the season, if last year was anything to go by. But this is World Cups in a nutshell, so let's get into a little bit of this. It's now time for a Rugby League World Cup update. Two semi-finals coming up this weekend. It hasn't the noise followed Mel Meninga's Kangaroos this tournament with too much of that resolving around what's going on off the field. The number system, the halfbacks, the flu. It's all been happening in Angleterre. But after wins over Fiji, Scotland, Italy and Lebanon, finally there's a big test. The Kiwis come in unbeaten to this semi-final as well. But didn't they face a little bit of a scare against the Fijians last weekend? I'm expecting after that performance that the Kangaroos win and win comfortably and I'm trying to remember, but I think Gus Gould at the start of the tournament tweeted some interesting takes as the rest of us were getting very excited for the, the power of the Samoans and how impressive this Kiwi side looked. But Gus was almost dismissive before the tournament. It's, have we seen anything to sort of counter what Gus said at the start of the tournament? I think the Kangaroos have looked by far the strongest team over in England so far, perhaps with the exception of the hosts. And I don't think too many were expecting that going into the tournament. Remember that opening game against Samoa, who were highly touted and expected to at least give them a run for their money. 60 points to six. And that's the second semi-final. A rematch. 1.30am Sunday morning after winning that big clash against the Tongans. What do you make of this? Coach Matt Parrish, the Samoan coach that is, has caused some consternation by placing his players under a total media ban ahead of that semi-final against the hosts. Is that bizarre to anyone else? Certainly I found it so, and maybe because I'm the same age as most of these guys, social media particularly for me is a big release from a lot of the pressures and certainly from a World Cup semi-final. Sure, you can be reading stuff about what's going on, but all the Samoan boys would be reading now is that they're the underdogs. And surely that's something to build around. That's something that coaches have begun to harness, that real siege mentality. Everyone's against us. No one believes we can win this football match. I found that bizarre. And the other thing, you know, the social media particularly has been a nice way for us to engage with the tournament from over here. There was terrific stuff from the Tonga boys, and perhaps I'm defeating my own point here because they went on to lose that quarterfinal, but eight of them stuck in a lift that claimed to hold 10 of them. All fixed very quickly and with good humour, but something that allowed us a little bit of insight into the characters that we're so often crying out for in rugby league at the moment. No social media, no interviews, nothing. I'm not sure how that helps out a tournament over there in the UK that's been struggling for crowds as well. Just my opinion. What's yours? one three hundred oh one eleven seventy or text in 0457 736 736. We haven't got a text. 
Welcome, Alex. Good luck filling in for Dan. Looking forward to another big weekend of sport, World Cup cricket and rugby league, which we've been through already. And the Rugby Union is putting an almost mini World Cup with the Autumn International Series. Yeah, there's been some fantastic clashes over there, hasn't there? The Fijians getting the better of New Zealand. Oh, nearly getting the better of New Zealand. Scotland taking on New Zealand. France versus South Africa. And the Wallabies taking on Italy this weekend. Thank you, Yeovil Treeman. Fantastic to have your contribution to the show this morning. And finally, I'm going to break away to the round ball again because I spoke to Matt Cox a little bit about Graham Arnold's squad uh, that was selected yesterday. There were some big omissions. Tom Rogic, Trent Sainsbury, two almost talismanic figures at the heart of that Socceroos side for the last four years or so. Both left out due to their poor or non-existent in Sainsbury's case for the last two months club form. Brave decisions, but I think correct ones. From Graham Arnold. The other storyline that was swirling around late was the potential addition of Christian Valpato. Now, if you haven't heard the story of this young kid, 18-year-old, was let go from Sydney FC and Western Sydney Wanderers Youth Academies over here. Moved over to Roma with his Italian passport and is now starting is now getting game time under Jose Mourinho in Serie A. So understandably, Arnie was very, very keen to try and get him involved in the squad, but Valpato has balked at offers to play for, be part of Socceroos squads in the uh, in the past. He's already made appearances for Italy's underage sides and apparently Arnie made him an offer to be part of this 26-man squad that got on the plane yesterday. He turned it down. This is what Arnie had to say about it all. On Sports Day, Victoria down there in Melbourne yesterday with Jared Healy. Yeah, look, uh, he was my last selection, uh, um, last player to select. I spoke to him late last night yep. here uh, in Doha time. <clears throat> I spoke to him on numerous occasions. I've been speaking to him for a year um, about where, where, what he's thinking and where he's at. And I have to say he's a fantastic kid and I, you know, I feel for him at the same time. I'd love him to play for Australia, nothing more. But uh, an 18-year-old kid having to make such a big decision is hard. And uh, so he's got people around him, people that are no doubt advising him. And uh, he feels that he's too young at this moment to, to make this decision to, uh, to come to us uh, and play for Australia. I told him last night I was going to pick him in the 26-man squad. Mm-hmm. I gave him two hours to think about it. And he came back to me and said he just feels he's not ready to make that decision at this moment and pretty much declined our, our offer. That's so, a disappointment. Said, yeah, it is. But at the same time, everyone has their own, uh, you know, rights to to you know choose what they want to do, and he and his advisors have have chosen that. Now, Arnie said there he gave him two hours to decide. Christian has known this was coming for a very very long time now. He's under the wing of Italy legend and Socceroos knocker outer of World Cups, Francesco Totti, who's of course a Roma legend over there in Italy. And unfortunately, I think Totti's voice in his ear and the lure of playing for the Azzurri and a chance of winning a World Cup perhaps in four years' time has swayed him away from the Socceroos. I think it's time for Australia to move on now from Christian Volpato. It's a big decision to turn down the country of your birth to go to a World Cup. There are many, many players behind him who would have been, who would do a lot of things to get that opportunity. So... It's hard for me to reconcile. Obviously, if that's the decision Christian feels is the best in his heart, and I hope that is the case. I hope there aren't too many people around him that have encouraged him 
to do otherwise when he was feeling that way. But now that he's made that decision, I don't think it's likely we'll ever see him in a Socceroos jersey, certainly not for the next four years and perhaps beyond that. It's going to be very, very interesting to watch. Alex Brosk will be joining Vossi and Brandy after 7 o'clock to pick through all the Socceroos selections and non-selections. Brosky, of course, a a 20-odd-time Socceroo and, of course, a a big legend of Sydney FC. And we've got a derby coming up this weekend. Tickets selling out fast at Allianz Stadium for the first Sydney derby at the new Allianz Stadium. There's been some controversy about uh, tarps being put up to cover roosters' colours and all sorts of things going on since Sydney have moved back into that new stadium. They haven't actually got a win there yet. What a time to do it would be against their old rivals in the Wanderers ahead of the World Cup break, which is coming up. And a reminder as well, just give a plug to the program I produce as well, the global game coming up daily during the World Cup from Qatar. Simon Hill will be over there with John Cosmeter recording daily episodes and keeping you up to date. So you'll be able to find that most evenings on SEM before the, our World Cup coverage starts here and as well on the podcast where you find it as well usually. It is just about to tick past 5.45 in Sydney, 4.45 up in Queensland. We'll be back to wrap up World Cups in a nutshell and get you over to Vossi and Brandy after 6 o'clock. Stay with us. Welcome back to World Cups in a Nutshell. Alex Molchanoff in for Dan Pettigrew this morning. Glad to be with you. Our top story this morning, Anthony Seabold, named as the Manly Sea Eagles head coach for 2023. An exciting appointment. In my opinion, I think I'm in the minority. And Chookman is in on the text line, 0457 736 736, if you want to get in touch in the last five minutes of the program. I think the Manly Club need to be more professional and get behind coaches and staff who haven't played for the club for a change. I couldn't agree more, Chookman. Anthony Seabold, from working with him here at SEN, is a guy who has worked his backside off since being sacked from the uh, Brisbane Broncos job a couple of seasons ago. He's done good work in the English Rugby Union with that very successful Eddie Jones side. Um, He's a guy who surrounded himself with people, like-minded people, people he can learn things off. And I think he understands the mistake he made by going to the Broncos, the mistakes he made while he was there. And I think he's much better equipped this time around to deal with the pressures from above that he may potentially be feeling at the Manly Seagulls. I'm very interested to get your thoughts on that. If you want to shoot me a quick text, now is the time. 0457 736 736. Or give us a call on the text line 1300 011170. We'll be talking more about the Socceroos squad named by Graham Arnold yesterday with Vossi and Brandy after 6 o'clock as well, as well as building up to those two big semifinals in the Rugby League World Cup. And, of course, tonight's T20 World Cup semifinal out at the SCG between New Zealand and Pakistan. You'll be able to hear that all tonight on SEN as well. We'll give you a couple of scores from around the place as well as we wrap up the program tonight. From the NBA, the Lakers are 2-8, lost by 23 points to the Utah Jazz yesterday, conceding 139 points. They are in dire straits, the Los Angeles Lakers, led by LeBron James. Who would have seen that coming? 2-8 to start the season. Quite remarkable. The Warriors won by three points over the Sacramento Kings. Steph Curry with another starring performance, and the Brooklyn Nets without Kyrie Irving after those controversial tweets and sharing of anti-Semitic material. They lost by two points in Dallas to the Mavericks. Ben Simmons, two points in 16 minutes. 
there is plenty to figure out at that organisation as well. The Billie Jean King Cup going on. The women's equivalent of the Davis Cup. Australia 2-0 winners yesterday over Slovakia. Storm Sanders won 6-4, 6-3 over Victoria Kuzmova. And Alia Tomjanovic followed that up with a 6-1, 6-2 dominating, uh, dominating display was the word I was trying to get out there over Anna Schmidlova. They need to beat Belgium in two days' time to qualify for the semi-finals. Real Madrid beaten by Rayo Vallecano yesterday for the first time in three years. 3-2 Barcelona moved back to the top of La Liga. Things getting interesting. Looks like there's going to be a title race in Spain this year. The Baltimore Ravens, 27, beat the New Orleans Saints, 13. Th- looking for your thoughts on Anthony Seabold being appointed as the Manly Seagulls head coach this morning. That news coming through around 6 o'clock yesterday evening. Uh, plenty of consternation and controversy about that, the way Des Hassler has moved on from the Sea Eagles. Uh, is, is this the start of a new dawn, or have the Manly Sea Eagles gone and shot themselves in the foot with this decision and perhaps hmm, perhaps headed for leaner times than they've been in the last couple of years? Perhaps the one thing floating over all of that is the fitness of Tom Trebojevic. Having a fit and healthy Tom Trebojevic might just be something to, to help Seebs out. I'm sure that's something he's got both his fingers, on both his hands, all his toes crossed, hoping that that comes true. Now, as well, this morning, the Sydney Morning Herald's uh, Michael Chamis reporting that round one of the 2023 NRL draw will look like this. The Eels and the Storm kicking things off Thursday night, 8pm. The Panthers and Broncos, the big Friday night clash out at Panthers Stadium on the first Friday night of the season. That'll be the 3rd of March. Manly versus the Bulldogs on the first Saturday from 3pm. That'll be Anthony Siebold and Cameron Serraldo in their coaching debuts for their new clubs. The Sharks and Souths headlining the action on Super Saturday evening from 7.30 uh, down at Pointsbet Stadium. The Dolphins kicking off life in the NRL under Wayne Bennett against the Roosters from 4pm. That'll be at Lang Park. And then the Sunday 6 o'clock. They've done this perfectly, the NRL, just fitting in all the stereotypes we can about the draw, the Tigers and the Titans, to finish round one on Sunday afternoon at 6pm. The Dragons get the bye in round one. I'm sure they'll be grateful for those two points somewhere down the track. Now, coming up today on SEN, breakfast with Vossie and Brandy after 6 o'clock. Mornings with Matt White. That full Anthony Seabold interview with Matt White will be running right after 9 o'clock. So make sure that you stick around for that. That's going to be interesting. Afternoons with Jimmy Smith. The run home with Joel and Fletch. God, they were in fine form yesterday. I can't wait to, to hear what they've got to offer. All the way through to Sports Day with Badge. I don't, I'm not sure if Sats is back yet, but Woogie will be there. And that's the most important thing anyway. Uh, looking forward to having your company. It's been great to have your company on my first edition of Traders News in a Nutshell, the World Cup edition, uh, filling in for Dan Pettigrew. Hopefully, I'll get you back with me tomorrow and on Thursday and on Friday to finish off the week. Fossey and Brandy coming up after 6 o'clock. You'll hear them all the way through to the line and then that interview with Anthony Seabold and Matt White from 9am. We'll catch you tomorrow. See you then. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance. 
and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.